0: Hard in the am ba- 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 ha- ha- yeah. La- yeah. yeah. a couple of weeks away, but it's uh, spring break is upon us here first, and we are not anywhere fun. We are still in State College, and I was thinking about this today because there are a few things that make me feel old. I'm in a ripe place of my life, but spring break and enjoying the relaxation and quiet of a college campus at this time and how much I enjoy that quiet... I think is the number one thing that makes me feel old. Like are you enjoying this as much
1: as I I have to think a little bit more so. I love it. I mean, I'm I'm way beyond you i mean i'm way older than you and and the family and everything so town being empty is no traffic it's awesome i went for a run around campus it was a ghost town this morning totally fine yeah you
0: can go to any restaurant i'm gonna go get brunch later this week i don't do that partly because yeah wow how about that and no not that i'm a big brunch guy anyway but now i'm going yeah there's going to be no line i've got no problems you You can go anywhere you want But this, you know, oh, damn, kids are out of town.
1: Like, that's that's what makes me feel like. I actually think I'm going to go to Champs downtown uh, hey. during, during the week. Never do it. Um, but it's a, it's a good spot, so I might as well post up down there and see what I can do for a Spring Break Happy Hour.
0: Yeah. Like I said, Spring Break is really just a notice that Spring Ball is soon to be upon us. It's going to start March 19th. We're recording here just about 10, 11 days away from that. As you can tell by the headline of this week's episode, we're going to run down our top 10 players we're most looking forward to seeing for Spring Ball, which is probably overstated. We're not going to see them a whole lot during Spring Ball. We'll get availability every Wednesday, catch the last couple of minutes of practice, talk with James, maybe a player or two. That'll be it. But, of course, we'll be talking with a lot of different people behind the scenes, who looks good, who doesn't. Um, Recap the NFL combine really quickly I'm looking forward to the segment I don't know about you As I'm sure uh, Triapke's family is A little bit of hoops talk They're not playing this week As is every other conference in America They got to the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament Knocked out by Purdue And then mailbag questions Which we've done uh, extra large We did a mini one last week Because we had the three person pod Now we get back to our normal about three questions Sounds good. Ready
1: to roll? That sounds like a good show. All right. For spring break, at least.
0: Yes, for spring break. Um, So, top ten players. We're going to go nine and ten are going to be packaged together here. And before we even get to that, we've taken kickers off the table, which we both realized was a good decision because we were stuck at 11 players yeah. and
1: didn't feel like shaving one off. So each of us had a kicker in and, those 11. And you just learned that there's only two specialists on the roster right now. Okay. So aside from the 14 long snappers they have, yes. Yes. Uh, Carson Landis, Blake Gilligan. We know what Blake Gilligan's going to do. He's going to kick things real far, and he's going to be really good at doing that. Uh, but Carson Landis has a real opportunity this spring. Uh, Jake Pendergill will come in this spring, Rafael Cheka, uh, Vlad. Hilling a couple other walk ons uh, coming in to compete this su- this summer, but I mean Carson Landis has a good of an opportunities. Anybody to stand out? I mean he's, of course Gilligan's going to kick a little bit this spring as well, but yeah. I mean Landis showed some nice things during his redshirt year, and he's got an opportunity to get a leg up in this uh, competition.
0: Yeah, Jake Pinneger originally being on my top ten was uh, a little out there. <laughs> that would have been an outtake. Um, I would have. Happen. Yeah, I <laughs> will be going to Iowa. I will see you on next month for Blue White. Um, but all right, so yeah, kickers drop the table. I think that's kind of understood it's a wide open job D- Tyler Davis had been there for a few years now he's of course gone you know I think Blake Gilligan probably made our list he didn't make mine he, is he on yours he's not on my list because I know he's a stud so okay all right he... yeah well you could be looking forward to him for that reason I'm he's always looking forward to... to Blake Gilligan yeah. okay, okay. Blake very Gilligan's great. I'm looking forward uh, not to continue to get off track to, uh, topic here but where he falls on our you know annual player rankings on the roster list oh because you were upset a year ago about where i put him i think it was like 17 18, lack of maybe? respect i believe i call it yeah that. yes he
1: uh he might crack the top 10 this year he should be in top five it's fantastic Ooh, yeah all right well uh spoiler alert uh, that's not gonna happen <laughs> that's, that's another day but anyway.
0: a guy who could make the top 10 and is my number 10 player to watch in the spring is ryan bates Okay, Ryan Bates um, not entirely healthy as we as we last saw him still dealing with the right ankle and a leg injury, which again kept him out of some of the weight room stuff that we saw. I think last week or the week before in terms of the max out day with the squatting. He's a guy where it, it's not so much him individually. I think you know what you're getting from Ryan Bates, but you don't know where you're getting it from. Will they continue to have him at right tackle, go back to left tackle where he's been playing you know, most of his snaps of his collegiate career, left guard where he started? And there's no doubt in my mind they're going to shuffle around these different combinations because they've got more depth than they've ever had before and talent. But I think he's the first domino to fall and then we'll know where everybody else is based on where Ryan is. Don't disagree with that,
1: uh, I, although I don't think we see a ton of him this spring, and it's not injury-related or anything like that, but these True. guys that have some miles on them, they like to hold out, and we've seen it, they did it with Brendan Mann last year, and so I think the younger guys, um, Alex Gellerstead, Des Holmes, will get snaps and things like that. It'll be interesting to see, but I think you're right. you got to build around Ryan Bates, um, your you're best offensive lineman. You've got a couple other pieces in place, but you've got three starting tackles coming back. What do you do with them? I think that's the, that's a big storyline going into it, so I, I have no problem with dates on your list
0: Offensive tackle to defensive tackle, number nine for me is Damian Barber, Ooh. who I think could be much higher on this list. You could also keep him off. But the injury to Ellison Jordan is really interesting because, of course, losing your top three defensive tackles a year ago uh, in terms of total snaps played strictly at that position. Kevin Givens would be top three, but of course he played out at end. Um, they have a lot of work to do there. And Jordan missing that spot where you could have probably penciled him in as the backup three technique is a big issue. Barber's added a lot of weight. He's switched position. Now, and this is going to be a real opportunity for him where that competition will be thicker come in the summer. Spring right now is the time for him to make a statement. So, what kind of statement does he make?
1: I have a defensive tackle at my number nine spot, and we'll get back to my number 10 in a second. But Antonio Shelton, I think it's a huge Mm. spring for him. I think he's just a little bit uh, above Barber right now. Barber's still making that transition. Shelton's got the weight. Um, Shelton's a really strong kid. It just hasn't really uh, you know, boiled over from from the weight room into the practice field. Um, so we haven't seen a ton of Antonio Shelton, but you, you, you nailed it. I mean, with Ellison Jordan out, with, with that depth chart wide open, he's got a really good chance to, to make a statement. I mean, he's, I guess, essentially one of the older guys now um, with the, yeah. the, the lack of experience that they have. And, you know, you want to see Fred Hansard, you want to see Corey Bolds but I think Antonio Shelton probably has the opportunity to, to nail down one of those two deep spots. And if he could, I think it would be huge because, you know, you, you're just not sure what you're getting from Shelton and that's been the story his entire career if they can get something from him I mean I think that's a positive spring for him the other part about losing Parker and Curtis Cothran really
0: quickly is not only just the amount of snaps that they have but the durability right, right there I mean there's nothing to say you won't lose a Rob Windsor or Kevin Givens within the first couple of weeks of next season and obviously you need that depth you know you, you had that depth a year ago you didn't really need it. They're going to rotate bodies in, but let's say one of them goes down. It's not only just an area with little depth, but a real area of need. So th- so who plays in that second and third string, I think, is going to be a- an underrated storyline going into spring, but will probably develop into one of the top storylines before we get to the season because there's a lot of youth, there's a
1: lot of unknowns, and a lot of snaps to be filled. Well, they're a deeper roster now, and and that's something you can see across the board, but there's still spots. Defensive tackle and linebacker are going to show themselves safety as well, um, where you have to fill in the back back half of that depth chart and you know you, you'll see them start to cultivate depth as, as they've done at a few other positions so yeah defensive tackle huge point of emphasis I think I only have one on my list right now um but uh Shelton can get there you know if Hanser can get there that's great yep. Damian Barber who you know I think the the reason for switching him he was a very good athlete at defensive end but when you move a very good athlete that can still move without a weight, functional way tackle yeah I mean then he's a great athlete at defensive tackle so we'll see what he can do uh tremendously productive player at Harrisburg and you know he's got an opportunity I don't know if he's there yet with the weight but you know once that all comes together you've got an opportunity to 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 make a splash and I think he can do that getting back to my number 10 uh, I also went big uh, veteran John Reed he's coming back Um, you know he's a guy that you know what he can do so I'm not not really interested to see what what he does but I mean I want to see you know how he looks how he's doing it's gonna be great to see John Reed out there because after them losing a couple of corners to the NFL um, it to replace them with a John Reed is a, great, you know, is a great spot to be in if you're Penn State, but at the same time, you want to see how he's how, how he's handling things. That's interesting because I have
0: John Reed on my list too, of course, but I thought I was going to get knocked for having him too low. Obviously, he's not my 9 or 10, but I think you hit it on the head. Like We, we know what to expect from John Reed. Everyone coming back from injury, of course, can be very optimistic, but I think with him and, and obviously knowing how diligent he is in the film room and likely approach that with his rehab, if he says he's 100% full go, I don't think there's any reason not to blame leave like they'll work him in slowly back and take their time they've got the spring obviously no concerns about him getting the system down it's just those physical reps but he's a guy that like you said we're looking you're looking forward to seeing but part of this List is intrigue. You yeah. don't know what you're
1: gonna get. In his case, you absolutely do. You know what you're gonna get. And I think when you look at corner, they're still trying to, you know, develop some of those guys. I think it's a really good spot for the roster. I think you know, you've got Amani, Tariq and and John Reed sort of separating themselves, Zach McPherson yeah. having a great winter winter session, and then a couple of young guys, Donovan Johnson, DJ Brown, Jabari Butler, who, you know, is intriguing as well because he's really, really fast, but we've never seen him, you know, in live action. So um but but Reed, uh you know what you're gonna get. You'd love to see him healthy because if he's healthy he's probably your best defensive player so i mean it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how he handles things so, so you've got antonio shelton and john
0: reed 9, 10? 9 10 yes all right my seven and eight um, number eight is michael mennett and number seven is John Reed. So we just talked about John Reed. All cross right. him off. Moving on. Michael Menett. Uh, presumed starter at right guard. over for Brendan Mann. His, you know, story, of course, has been affected by injuries, which leads to lack of reps and falling behind a little bit. You know, last we heard, he you know, he's in fine shape physically. You know, looks phenomenal. Again, referencing back that squat max out day we got to visit. Looks as good as anybody and of course has a pedigree five-star guy comes in now it's his time to shine I think to a degree you know what to expect I mean he did get some reps late in games last year uh, mostly in garbage time but you know you don't know it until you officially see it day after day with the first team which I think is right where he's going to be from day one
1: yeah good offseason for Mennett so far I'm looking forward to see him I have him a little bit high on my list which I think you know if anybody's making this list the new offensive lineman is going to go for it but um you know three offensive tackles remaining or returning with starting experience what do they do with them do they move one to a guard does that bump somebody over so I think it's just a wave uh, of, you know, of movement and that could be the only thing that leaves Mennon out of the starting lineup when they start spring ball True, but I think he'll be in it I think he yeah. and CJ Thorpe will have a, a nice little battle at right guards I'm looking forward to seeing both of those um, Thorpe Mike, also side uh, note so strong he's <laughs> he's oh a, my force, goodness man. with he's, squats
0: geez. and like everyone knew it too like he, he jumps into the squat rack and you just start to see this kind of like hurricane of noise and just people swirling around and it's all with him at the center of it and he's just like dropping down like it ain't no thing and he's got like I had it in my notes but I think it was at least like 450 or something like that Kevin Gibbons got to 515 um, and
1: he was kind of in the same realm of that yeah yeah, uh, CJ Thorpe, tremendously strong, also mean, uh, which is you know yeah. an element that's it's been lacking at times in the last couple of years. My number eight, John Sutherland, uh, probably could have gone a little bit higher. Um, you know, I've heard great things about him through his redshirt freshman year. Um, with that safety spot being as open as we think it's going to be, Sutherland's got a chance to step up and maybe steal the starting spot. Um, if you can do that as a redshirt freshman, you're doing okay. So um, interested to see what he can bring to the table. Um, I, I, I don't know how to peg him as a player. I, I don't know if he's a run stopper. I don't know if he's a center fielder. But I think he can do a little bit of everything. I think that's probably um, what they're hoping for, right? A which would bit be both. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideal. So, um, looking forward to see what Jonathan Sutherland can do. Um, you know, this spring. I'm curious why you had him a little bit lower because, in terms of the total package of uncertainty,
0: excitement, and potential, and opportunity to step into an open job, he kind of has
1: everything there. That's because they made another position move that we'll get to a little bit later. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right.
0: I've got the that that fella. Um, a little bit <laughs> a little bit higher a little bit higher and right next to the
1: guy you just referenced number seven for me Ellis Brooks um, middle linebacker is going to be a crap shoot so you, you know you could have made this list with five or six linebackers on it because that's where the intrigue is going to be I know Penn State fans love their linebackers but Ellis Brooks I kind of um, want you to make that list right now because <laughs> I, I doubt the five to six you doubt the five to six yeah oh you've got Ellis Brooks Parsons Tarburton Lukita Jan Johnson Cam Brown can play there alright we're not um, listing all linebackers we, but top ten players top ten you would you think everybody... Carver and Lukita for for this season have
0: potential to you know no but you're going to watch them this spring aren't you um, I mean probably
1: because I'll be at practice but all right if I've got ten guys everybody wants to know about linebackers Sure. this That's is yeah it's... this is this is a this is a certain place that we're at right now that they you know they've liked their linebackers in the past and oh, did a big board earlier today in the first couple questions were all about linebackers even though there were three linebackers on everybody wants to know about linebackers if they could take just five linebackers a year Penn State fans I think a lot of them would be happy so that's that's where we're at right now so okay but Ellis Brooks um, getting back to him really intrigued to see what he can bring to the table um, not as athletic as some of the guys he'll be going against but coachable kid um, guy that's good with fundamentals uh, use the uh, you know use the red shirt season to take some weight off and then put a little bit of weight back on so interested to see what he brings to the table is not as fast as some of those other guys but you know he's an instinctive player and, and and we'll see what they got I mean you look at where he was a year and a half ago you know everybody was pegging Dylan Rivers for that spot Penn State yep. swooped in last minute grabbed uh, Brooks so uh, we'll see what he got I mean he's, he's gotten the, the best reviews of that class of freshman linebackers from last year so really interesting to see what he can bring to the table well, that
0: transitions perfectly. Ellis Brooks is my number six for all those same reasons. Um, you know, I think there was a growth process, just as you would say for any freshman, but things you heard about him from the course of the year where you've got freshmen who might not have been asking so many questions in meetings to the end of the year where I'm asking Brandon Smith, what do you see from the guys who are going to come after you? Ellis Brooks is the one he let out with and was yeah. like, listen, he is taking notes. He's involved in Brandon Smith. I think a guy you could kind of take his word at face value. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see because the other part of that is is not only just in in meetings but through the weight room and your agility and your work now he's got a full year under his belt you knew it was a mobility that was a question how much has that changed because I think that would be the number one thing to thrust him into that conversation if you trust him you know to make enough moves out there in the field and cover enough ground then he's legitimately in the conversation that's still holding him back well that's the greatest edge that somebody else maybe like a Mike Parsons has over him so how much has that gap closed for him he's my number six number five KJ Hamler you know did you do a number seven? yeah John Reed
1: okay Okay, good, yeah. K.J. Hamler.
0: Yeah, all right. And, and I had him a little bit higher, than I had him a little bit lower, and I said, you know what, square right in the middle of this list is where he belongs. I think it's just a matter of, you know, before he had that nasty injury his senior year of high school, obviously a highly tattered recruit caused some schools to back off a little bit of Penn State's there, swoop in. It, you know, I don't think he'll be in the mix for that open slot receiver job necessarily, but how dynamic he is and how often we heard about him from who are the freshmen behind the scenes on scout teams that are really impressing. And it's like, listen, this dude is as quick as anyone we're going to see in Big Ten play. So that says something. But, you know, you could see him at either kick return or punt return, which are the only couple guys who I think are in the conversation
1: for both jobs. He is someone I haven't seen and we've heard a ton from. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, I think when he was signed or when he committed, I th- this is your punt returner of the future. I mean, I know he was hurt at that point and, you know, it may have taken away some of his shiftiness, but this is your punt returner of the future. This kid can can get in and out of cuts so quickly. And, and I kind of disagree with you on the slot there because I think it's it's important— you know, if you put Brandon Polk in the slot, if you get something out of KJ Hamler in the slot, you can leave DeAndre Tompkins outside, mm-hmm. and that can really do a lot for your offense, so I think he'll be involved in that, you know, in that battle right there. Um, is he there yet? We haven't seen enough of him as a receiver. I don't think he was ever full bore, um, you know, at least when we've been there, so there's still questions there, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he can be a spark plug. He can be a guy that, you know, when he touches the football, it's, it's going to make you go, whoa, who, who is this kid? So, I, I like your, your pick of Hamler. When I was on my way over here, he was actually a guy guy. I was contemplating putting in. So, you know, kudos to you. You've, you know, taught me there. Uh, Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, My number six, Nick Bowers. Um, Of course, you could throw any tight end in here. I mean, you lose Mike Kosicki. Obviously that that's a big deal in itself, but you know you, you've really gotten nothing from Jonathan Holland. You've gotten uh, lots of time on the injury report for Nick Bowers. You haven't seen Danny Dalton yet. Um, Zach Koontz is in is in town now, so I mean there's there's so many questions at tight end. I threw Bowers in here because I think if he can be healthy, he's the most consistent guy. He he, he can be you know probably your biggest weapon not only as a blocker but as a receiver. So um, really intrigued to see what he can bring to the table. Not entirely convinced they're going to get a ton. From in The tight end position right now, but you know the drop off is going to be what it is because you know you're leaving Mike Desicki in the dust and you're replacing him with somebody that's not him. Um, so I, I, I think Bowers, Holland, whoever they throw out there, I think is going to be um, you know it, it's going to be a guy to watch because I think it's there's definitely concern at the position right now. There is, and I honestly had a tight
0: end on there who is not Nick Bowers, and, and I clipped him off the list because I didn't think there was enough guarantee that you know okay you want to see him, but also with the idea that you want to see him because you would. Think you'd see him come fall, right? So my tight end was at Koontz. And it was also just the intrigue of just that body type of he's 6'8, you know, he's adding on muscle, but how much of that is going to hurt him when you're kind of in line? And then they're not in line a whole lot, right. but when you just kind of need to, to block and take a dude head on. And that's something Mike Kosicki, of course, took three or four years to learn. At the tight end position when he was here. Never became a strength for him, but he but he did it enough. Right. Um and, and Bowers for me was also off the list just because I didn't anticipate seeing him a whole lot. Again, someone who didn't, you know, uh, max out on squat day, has hit issues in the past, but if healthy,
1: he would be top five for me, no question, come training camp. I think there's guys on this list where, you know, whether you see them or not can tell you a lot about the, the position moving forward, and I think Bowers is one of those. I have another guy on my list a little bit uh, higher than that um, that should tell us a little bit more about that position. But yeah, I mean it's it, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. I mean, it, it, you know, you've got the you know the new tight ends coach Tyler Bowen. Um, you know, if you look at workouts the workouts of the day, you know there hasn't been a ton of praise for the tight ends. No, it's either notice. all
0: of them or none. Yeah, <laughs> it's, so. it's oh everyone was great, yeah. which tells you ah,
1: yeah maybe not. Well, we'll see, we'll see. We'll just put it. All up right, they got time. They got time. All right, I think I'm up to number five on mine. And uh, you know another guy that I'm excited to see though, though I don't know that we see a ton of him in the fall. Journey Brown, I mean, yeah, a Pennsylvania guy, so a lot of people are asking about him. He's got the speed, obviously. You know, he's got the the high school accolades and everything like that. Is he a complete running back? And not right now. I mean, I, I think that takes some time, and you know, we won't see him much with Miles Sanders back and Mark Allen back. But Journey Brown, uh, another guy like KJ Hamler, when he touches the ball in the spring game, people are going to watch go, out. whoa. So, I'm um, excited to see him. Uh, I don't think I have much more to add to that. Could could it be a kick returner? Maybe. Uh, we'll see. But uh, Journey Browns is at least exciting to see some of these unknown guys.
0: Number four, uh, this dude does not touch the ball a whole lot. But when he does, it makes for the most spectacular gift probably I've ever created. This is Rob Windsor. Coming okay. up with a forced fumble against Michigan Obviously. if you haven't found it. Uh, he, does, he, he just emerges from nowhere out of this huge pile. Ball clutched over his head, pointed towards the sky, and he does a little hop that almost completes an, an entire circle <laughs> and then trots off to the sideline. You will tweet that out tomorrow. Uh, Probably. So Rob Windsor, you've seen him for a couple of years, surprised early on. I know you mentioned here before the staff believes eventually he'll be an NFL draft pick. You know, the presumed starter now at the One Technique. It's different coming in as a backup, knowing that'll be your role and you're playing behind guys who have been not only just very durable, productive, you know, Parker Crawther and Tyrell Chavis both played the one technique, did so effectively. How is he going to handle the workload where he's a guy, not like Ryan Bates we just talked about, where they're going to kind of back off a little bit, but probably increase his workload? Yeah, and how will that look? What it's has he done to. the last two years? You know, it, no question. I mean, because they're going to need him to hold up over that time and yes, they rotate and I think he's been a fine player, but if is there an appreciable difference this spring from the Rob Windsor that we've seen in the past. Because if so, that's a great sign for Penn State. If not, then you're not necessarily worried, but I think you have to, you know, be concerned because certain games, namely Ohio State, Michigan State too, where they where they lost, it's not only just a close game, but up front wasn't close and that's something you can't afford to have even though you might be improved in the back end that up front is where games are won and lost and he comes to center stage right now with a full spotlight on him at that one technique
1: yeah they were hurting at defensive tackle recruiting for a while and they got really lucky with with rob windsor and kevin gibbons not that those guys are you know first team all big 10 guys or anything like that but the you know Impact they're, guys. they're they're solid guys uh given or excuse me windsor's going to be asked to hold up a lot of double teams this year i mean he's going to see a lot of guys and, and can his body take that pounding he's been hurt before he's you know, he's, he's missed some time before. So, uh, yeah, I think the intrigue is there. Um, y- you want to sort of cultivate depth behind him. So I don't know that we see, you know, uh, him take every rep this spring. But he- he's got to be more consistent. He's got to be the guy that-, that assumes that starting position and-, and, you know, assumes that consistency. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm- I've always been, I guess, irrationally high on Rob Windsor. Um, <laughs> so based off of what I've heard from people. But- Was he the original Mike Randa? I, I don't think so. No, I've uh, got, I, I go way back further than that. But uh, that's, that's another episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, my number four. We already covered him, Mike Menett, um, yeah. Michael Menett. Uh, so uh, really intrigued to see what he can do if he can grab onto that starting spot and hold that starting spot. You've got more size across the front. You've got uh, you know more consistency uh, from so, from those guys. And if they can do that, you know, Miles Sanders would be pretty happy. I think. So. Okay. Let's uh, recap before we get to the top three. So my four through ten, Rob Windsor,
0: number four, KJ Hamler, number five, number six was Ellis Brooks, number seven, John Reed. 8, Michael Mennett. 9, Damian Barber. 10, Ryan Bates, a.k.a. the first domino of the offensive
1: line. We had a lot of uh, overlap here. I went with Mennett uh, at 4, Journey Brown at 5, Nick Bowers at 6, or any tight end really at 6, Ellis Brooks at 7, John Sutherland at 8, Antonio Shelton at 9, and John Reed was my leadoff guy at 10. So uh, I think we're up, we up to number 3 right we now. are. Uh-huh. John Sutherland for me.
0: This Ooh. is a dude I know they are extremely excited about. I, I've heard it said by Brent Pry. You know, uh, we got a piece coming up that'll explain a little bit more, but just behind the scenes whether or the players in in front with the media saying again, who are some retro freshmen, surprising who's doing well on scout team, he came up every single time you were discussing defensive guys on the scout team. I mean, and I think it's because of the same reasons we just talked about before. He'll come up and hit you, been described as a mini Marcus Allen. I wouldn't put those expectations out there before, but he can cover. I like this tape coming out of high school. I think he's got a good awareness and understanding of the game. And that, you know that total package you don't see so early on so for a guy who's been around the ball on scout team you know when it comes up and he's running with the ones or twos if those same players are being made i think it's going to be really difficult for them to keep him off the field early on in the season or to not give him looks in training game
1: yeah i, I absolutely agree with you he's on my list as well um a little bit lower but uh yeah i'm excited to see what he can do um you know uh, two guys i have on my list journey brown and, and john sutherland when you ask people in the program you know who was that wow guy on scout team this year it was Journey Brown on offense it was John Sutherland on defense so excited to see what those guys can do um, Sutherland I think can can solidify himself in that two deep and, and maybe even make a run at the starting spot so we'll see um, you know I guess he's highest ranked Canadian on both of our lists as well so tip your hat to him and, and, and all that my number three and I talked a little bit before about um, you know it, you can tell a lot about the position by you know how much you see of one guy Tommy Stevens is on my list um, because oh. you know if Tommy Stevens doesn't get a lot of reps, uh, a lot of reps this spring, you know the writing's kind of on the wall there. And it's not that we don't, you know, already expect him to, to at least explore his options after right. he graduates in the spring. But um, you know, it, it, it's going to be an uh, not an issue, but it's going to be a situation where you know if if you think Tommy's going to get around, he's going to get or stay around, he's going to need reps. Um, Trace, I think they'll sort of take some a little bit off his plate this year. Um, but you've got Sean Clifford sitting behind. You have to develop a starting quarterback for all, or excuse me. A backup quarterback for August no question and you know Sean Clifford I think is in Jake Zembeck are, are going to need reps in the spring and we'll, we'll see what happens with those guys but I think um the look we get with Stevens will tell us a lot more about uh, Clifford and and those other guys and how many reps they can get. So I think that's probably one of the more interesting dynamics. I don't know if it's a guy to watch for the spring, but one of the more interesting dynamics going to the spring.
0: Right, because it tells you more than just how he's doing. Right, it, you know where their future might lie or, or how much he's as you said. And if he leaves, they have
1: to find a new lion.
0: So <laughs> I don't know how it's going to happen. So <laughs> I love the, uh, the that was the classic. The reaction is so much larger than the actual action itself, and that came out on the depth chart and everyone's going oh what's this new position like why did they do this it was just kind of a PR pat on the back for Tommy Stevens thanks for contributing we can do this it's kind of fun but there's and, no hey, you should stay so yeah yeah <laughs> and whatever we can do, do uh, yeah. we'll, we'll create a secondary position for right. you you know elsewhere in the depth chart um, yeah Tommy Stevens is a good one I almost had Sean Clifford on my list too because you'd like to see what that jump is from year one to year two and a guy who you know is not redshirting anymore so he could potentially be out there and obviously I look potentially at the. Their future as well um, he'll have more competition coming up you know we'll have this year and, and the quarterbacks will recruit for the 2019 cycle and beyond but you know a kid who I was high on and um, didn't make the list so we'll stop talking about him right now uh-huh. my number two Uh, Michael Parsons. This is to a large degree self-explanatory. You know, I don't think you could describe him as a favorite to step into the Mike linebacker position, but I think the athletic skills he brings, you know, have been talked about so much and will be unique to his competition. How much does he absorb the playbook? You know, develop some consistency there, and also just what does it look if they really are going to hand the keys over to
1: a true freshman, their highest ranked recruit since I think '05 with Derek Williams. Yeah. I mean, we I mean, we did it. We flip flopped one and two, like we said we were going to do beforehand. We we went in blind. We didn't look at each other's lists. So I know who you're going to go with 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 number one. Do you though? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll go with Parsons as my number one. Um, you know, just because you know, there's there's so many questions, and it's so exciting to see you know the talent that he brings to the field. Can can he handle the calls? You know, I think if if you break down and you want to check a bunch of boxes, um, you know, that's the biggest question that you have. Can he handle the the guys around him? And and I know they'll put Coa Farmer beside him. They'll put Cam. Brown beside him, guys that have a little bit more experience to, to get him in the right spot. But you know he's going to have to assume that if he's the Mike linebacker going into the, into the, the season. So um, Parsons is probably the most intriguing, and, and number two, and I guess your number one Lamont Wade at um, safety. Yeah. I mean the the guy's going to make a run at the starting spot. He looks great. I mean this is he guy looks thick upper body. He looks like a safety. Yeah, he looks like he got the memo, and uh, you know he's uh, he, he's he looked good. So uh, really excited to see what he brings to the table. Um, um, you know he's got an opportunity to step in there and and put some distance between you know him and Aaron Monroe and Nick Scott or Jonathan Sutherland Garrett Taylor all are going to get sufficient reps this spring, um, but uh, you know Lamont Wade we know what he can do as a corner um, we know what he can do as a football player so probably probably as excited to see him as I am Michael Parsons and that's why I put him ahead of, of
0: Michael Parsons I mean the intrigue is you can't top anyone in this roster outside of Michael Parsons I mean that is the most you know as I said just intriguing interesting purely what's going to happen when he's out in the field. The reason Wade was was ahead of him for me is I think Wade has got a better shot at winning a starting job at safety than Parsons does at middle linebacker. Right. And again, that's not built on a whole lot of information, but it's just the understanding that he's been in the system, he's gotten the skills, and I'd really love to see what he can do kind of coming downhills, he'll frequently rotate those safeties down, get an eighth man in the box, you know, offer and run support, can obviously handle things in man coverage, which we've talked about before and, I, and I've written about, but I think you'll just be able to see his, his entire skill set I on display from that spot. And even if there are struggles here and there, I think most mistakes he'll make will be those in aggression, which is always what you want to see. You know, if you're going to make a mistake, at least do so on an attacking basis, not back in your heels. I don't think we'll have any question about that. I think it's possible he wins a job just in spring alone, but, of course, they wouldn't name it. you got to perform a training camp, right. and we saw there was a little bit of drop-off from when he was the darling of spring ball right next to John Johnson a year ago, that you know, Tariq Castrofield's kind of
1: stole and siphoned off some of that spotlight. Yeah. Come training, camp. It's, an inter- it's a different game in August so I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens but uh, Wade and Parsons probably the two most intriguing guys um, and you can throw a couple more linebackers on the list I'm ex- excited to see what Nick Tarburton can do um, Jesse is you know look good in the, the weight session the other day so uh you know most intriguing position linebacker of course defensive tackle safety um, i think is going to be you know maybe not the headline grabbers but probably as important as anything going you know coming out of the spring
0: yeah and I think both potential to star in their respective positions I think right now the better chance to do that not only just start but star is still weighed even though he's changing spots yeah
1: absolutely the interesting thing about the safety none of them as fast as Troy I don't know if you nah. saw that over the weekend. Uh, Troy Hapke uh, rocked the NFL Combine, as did Saquon Barkley, Mike Gesicki, and you know I, even Grant Haley had one of the uh, the top marks of corner. So huge, huge weekend for Penn State at the Combine. Yeah, and I don't want to say
0: um, we told you so. You're going to say we told you so. But for the people who said, oh, he runs four eight, or he's four seven, or he plays so. Told you so. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. You I right mean, here, there. here's the thing. Like this hits on you know a personal pet peeve aside from football and whatnot, but just people who. Here are the facts. They're indisputable. This dude, we've heard of him reported, runs 4-4, does all these different things. Nah. Let me just avoid any intellectual curiosity or absorption of these facts and, and just kind of stay where I am and just willfully just be ignorant about this. And this is a totally minor thing. Like, no one really cares about this except for, you know, the scouts are watching Troy Toriapki himself, and his family. You know, and it's nice for Penn State, too, yeah. which we'll get to in a second. But just come on. Like, why do you want to stick with with the white guy cliches? Every he's a little bit slower. He's more gritty? Like that's fine. Like this, you know, they're they're. It's a real benign stereotype of all the stereotypes out there. But we've written about this and still had pushback up until
1: this weekend. Yeah, Deon Sanders declined being on the show today. Yeah, um, but now that that was that was fantastic. I mean, his reaction, uh, you know, and. it... PC or whatever it, it, it was pretty funny um, but Troy Apke went out not only the 40 but the, the vert I mean he was there in the he shuttle yeah, he, was, he was crazy um, does he work his way into the draft um, I mean I don't know I mean it, 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 it there's, there's only, I mean, that stuff can obviously only get you so far, but you know, he, he really helped himself out. You make yourself a priority free agent, anything can happen. So, um, really happy for Troy because he just kind of put his head down his entire career and did his thing. Um, never really talked much or anything like that, but uh, it was, it was fun to watch. I mean, I, I wasn't watching, and I think Mark Brennan texted both of us and just said, "Whoa!" And I was like, <laughs> "We know what, what this is. What's going on?" Oh, and, I knew. Uh, yeah, I know. And and you had already put it on the board. I don't know apparently. It was something you wanted to get off your chest there. Well, I um, thought it was just funny.
0: And also just a hey, like, oh, you it's, know. It's it, funny.
1: It's absolutely funny. It's, it's,
0: it's funny, and it's it's still a surprise. Like, just maybe not to the degree that Deion Sanders was surprising, but, like, mm-hmm. any, any one player running a, a 4-3-4, yeah. you know, in the combine mindset 4-3-5 earlier, but it was corrected officially as a 4-3-4. Oh. We're not trying to say we're, you know, omniscient beings here, but we knew about Tori Apke's speed, and yeah. we told you about it. So, <laughs> dude just ran a 4-3-4. Happy Monday, everyone. That was the whole thing. Um, But it was just one of those, like, listen, like, what evidence are you sticking to when you want to tell me that this dude is slow? Like, (laughs) I I have the times. I'm looking at them right here and trying to tell you the same thing. The the funny part about that is, too, and, again, this is more more my interest, but, you know, what you hear now for guys like Apke, who, as you said, excel in the vert, run a great 40, is that it, quote, forces scouts to go back and look at the tape and see if they can find anything more. Right. To me... A, the tape is your biggest source of information and the thing you should most be deciding—you know—you're you're building your evaluations off of. But B, that just leads to confirmation bias. I mean, if you're going back to look at a guy who you have good feelings about because of his forty and his vert, are you going to go back and then look at the tape and suddenly be like, "Oh, this is worse than I thought"? Like, no, you're going in looking for better tape than you probably saw the first time to justify what you saw in the field right
1: so why i don't know why we do that i I was talking to somebody this week and it's more recruiting than anything but he just said people don't trust their own evaluations there's so much information out there now where you know especially in recruiting where you know somebody offers somebody and then you see four or five schools jump on it people are not trusting their own evaluations and 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 you know, we might get it. That's a whole separate thing with recruiting, but yeah. you see it in the NFL as well. I mean, you know, Apke is no different a player than he was before. You, you knew he was fast. If you talk to his coaches, you know how fast he is. And I, I, th- I think the only thing that changes is maybe you you dedicate a little bit more time to looking at him. Which you know, if you're coming in, I mean, Apke, you know, before the combine last week wasn't even rated by NFL.com with all their nope. on their rating scales. So you spend a little bit more time, and he's going to benefit from that. He's going to find a landing spot, and you know whether that's in the seventh round or as an undrafted free agent. Uh, it, it remains to be seen, but obviously helped himself a ton this weekend.
0: Yeah, listen, if you didn't have a grade on him, definitely go back and look at the dude who ran four through five and jumped forty one inches. Yeah, if you had a low grade on him, don't let this change that evaluation. I mean, maybe understand that he's a guy who changed positions, only started one year. There was good reasons for both of those, and also probably could use redshirt year. But you probably should have known all that before he suits up at the underwear Olympics and then blows everyone away. Right.
1: Well, you're also not spending the time on Troy Apke that you're spending on Saquon Barkley and Mike Ksiky, so. So, you know, that that will help. But at the same time, uh, let's get back to Saquon Barkley and Mike Kosicki. Well, I was going to say,
0: speaking of guys who just blew everyone away at the Underwear Olympics, Mike Kosicki led the tight ends in essentially every single drill, every single exercise, no matter what it was. I thought he was the guy who had the best combine out of anybody. You know, Saquon, of course, doing Saquon things regardless, because what he did was accentuate his strengths. I mean, he's not going to Indianapolis to do anything, but listen, I understand my blocking is in progress. I do take pride in it. I want to get better at it, but I want to confirm for you that I am every bit the athletic freak right. that I look on tape and he did that and more so saying not only am I an athletic freak but I am the biggest freak in this class
1: exactly yeah and he and he's made that statement I mean I don't think there's any anywhere there's getting around that I mean he came out and we knew he was going to jump well yeah, uh, you know, running, you know, you don't you don't see it on tape because he's a long strider and you don't send him downfield for a seam route, you know, probably as much as as they could have. But yeah, I mean, this is a guy that uh this is a guy that can run. He can jump. He's long. His uh, wingspan is ridiculous. His hands were big. He, he's basically got everything. um You know, they'll go back to the tape and tape and see he can't say he can't block, which you know is probably true. But he's just got to get in the he, way. You yeah. don't need to. I mean, you, you you can carry three tight ends, three or four tight ends in the NFL, and you can find one of those guys to block so he's going to be a mismatch he proved that this weekend um and it, it was fun to watch man because he was he was flying so yeah and Saquon was great. I don't think we have to add anything more than just he's uh, he's very uh, what do you call it strong and fast and and jumps good, good high good so, at the football good at football yeah I mean <laughs> somehow
0: Rose is a top five guy going into now people are like oh we might take him number one yeah I mean
1: that's uh, that's a that's a discussion for closer to the draft but I mean yeah he's in that conversation and you know it's it's pretty cool to see I mean just uh, for someone like Saquon who's been you know as generous with his time as he's been and and as low key and and down to earth as we've seen in the last three years. Uh, uh, it's it's cool to see i mean he s- certainly deserves it so <laughs>
0: last note on this the combine did not put everyone's skills on display a couple people had medical exemptions namely jason kabinda christian campbell opted out of certain drills what this does you know long story short i think it's just put a lot more weight on the pro day than when you would have expected because if penn state you know has eight invitees to the nfl combine you go okay those dudes are going to take it easy come march 20th when everyone you know is going to compete you'll have people from outside of the school come arrive in haluba and you'll see brendan mango and parker catherine and curtis catherine we're going to see a lot more still, yeah. a 40 to come from Marcus Allen, a lot from Christian Campbell, essentially every drill from Jason Cambinda, you know, who did bench. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton's in that mix, too. And I think it's a smart move, too, because so much of this process, whether it's on the evaluation side, you know, in the drills themselves, or what the players are doing and conducting themselves, is built on well, what have we always done, and what players have always done has been do every single drill in Indianapolis, as they've been told, and to some degree, that obviously benefits them. But if you're not that comfortable or confident in your 40 at that stage, Take another
1: month, train a little bit more, do it on turf that you feel get, totally confident in. Get healthy. And they should do that. Thing, yeah. yeah. I mean, so you, I if think you got a smart. twinge in your hamstring, I mean, we saw it with Ronald Jones, who ran a what a four six six with a tweaked hamstring. A couple guys, yeah, you know, and th- and that's I don't think that's going to hurt him all that much. But at the same time, I mean, if you're not one hundred percent ready to go, you know, it's going to cost you some money. So wait a couple weeks, stretch it out, you know, get get healthy. Christian Campbell, I think, has got a hamstring. Marcus Allen um, had a hamstring back at was the Senior Bowl or whatnot, so that kept him out of the forty. But he still tested fairly well, um, you know, in the in the other uh, events. So. Um, and I think we need to dispel the notion nobody's tanking in Indy um, so that they can get looks for their teammates at Pro Day. I think this is something that we've seen thrown around. Who's said where, that? Not tanking, but not running so that other people could, could have the opportunity to shine at Pro Day. That uh, that just does not happen. So, uh, yeah. yeah, you look so confused right now. <laughs> so, no, I saw it the other day when, when someone said, you know— uh, I think it was Hamilton or something wasn't running his 40 is that going to bring more or or Barkley wasn't doing something you know is that going to bring more or no you know what it was Barkley wasn't happy with his 40 so you know, he's he's definitely going to do it at Pro Day now, and that's going to bring more scouts and more eyes to it, which I don't think really holds. Is any of that true? Is he going to run at Pro Day? I haven't talked to him, so um, I don't think he has to. I mean, run no. a 4-4, you know, uh, other than personal gain, you, would, would you like to run a 4-3-8, you know, which he could have had he not stumbled. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... how uh, harsh. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. we're, we're going to sit here and critique his 4-4. The only
0: good part of the last minute and a half that maybe have come from that is a new segment that... I like oh someone said and then we'll do okay what have we heard either on the board or on twitter or in some passing mention from someone at the bar of just this is ridiculous i was sitting at champs the other night okay yeah. champs all right <laughs> very good well the first one is yeah people are not running their 40s in the ultimate you know event of self-interest on the part of scouts in teams and players that they're now going to suddenly be selfless to is draw more attention to teammates right which i would be shocked if you didn't have at least 24 20 teams show up for Penn State Regardless, Pro Day, yeah, yeah because it, you know
1: there's a lot of seven, what, seventeen players at the Pro Day or something like that. Uh, I think over to twenty. Oh wow.
0: But the other part is, people who are interested in Saquon Barkley is going to be a small group because they know they can't draft him unless you're in that kind of top five, top seven area. Right. And then maybe even trade up. Right.
1: Um, so no one's going to come extra just to see him when you have most information on him as is. Yeah, exactly. I think there's there's enough intrigue in some of those other prospects. Uh, really, really disappointed not to see Christian Campbell do the broad jump. Um, you know, and like I said, if he's not healthy, he's not going to do it. I, no fault. But I just really wanted to see him uh, bust 11 feet and possibly break... Uh, a a record or two. Out of the combine, um, but uh, <laughs> we'll let that one go. Um, you know, the little uh, unspoken inside jokes, the best on the uh, this audio medium here. Yeah, how about it, uh, Brennan Mann, Parker, Cothran, Curtis, Cothran, uh Tyrell Chavis, Brandon Smith's going to be there. He told me. Yep. Um Really looking forward to seeing all those guys work out. I, you know, a, a guy that and you wrote down those first three: man, Parker and Curtis. But I, I think Tyrell Chavis could could have a shot. I mean, yeah. You know, he doesn't have the you know the the long tape that other guys do, but I think he. He was very good this year. He takes up a lot of space. He's fairly athletic for a big guy, so we'll I see what this he can tape. do. Yeah.
0: And the, and the best pass rushes he had was just a straight bowl power move, just driving you straight into the lap of the quarterback, um, which isn't to say there aren't other guys who could do that. But I think, you know, he was a guy from the start of the season, too, against Akron caught my attention. I think was a defensive player of the game. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and check, uh, predict the presser. He, uh,
1: he's got the size. He could play, you know, he could be a nose tackle. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what he can do. And I'm intrigued. I think he's probably the most intriguing non-combine guy coming out of there. All right. Uh, hoops talk. Keep this
0: short. They're not playing this week, as we mentioned. Looking to the NIT, you know, if you think of the play in the NCAA tournament, I would refer you to Mark Brennan's piece of listen. We know where this is going to go. Not only are they in the NIT, I think most likely because they're not in that you know first four out or next four out discussion. I saw they were in like the third four out today. Yeah, yeah. It's like okay, (laughs) Okay. how many groups do we need? The dandy dozen here of just real you know saying all shucks as they watch the big dance. But no, I think they're looking at a number three seed, possibly number two. Um, It'll. depending on what the other bubble teams do. And if they completely fall out, perhaps Penn State Sox improves as a result. But regardless, they're going to play in the NIT. They'll have a home game to start, probably 3-6 matchup. The interesting part is, they could very likely run into another Big Ten team. Not the first round, but perhaps second round or later on as this thing goes. Because Indiana... Maryland, definitely Nebraska, are all in that conversation, and I think there is some value here. As much as you know, people wag their finger at the NIT, they're going to go with some rules changes. We're playing; they're playing quarters, uh, three point line. I think or is being extended a little bit, and so red, white, and blue basketball. <clears throat> okay. yeah, 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 that'd be awesome. Um, dunks are worth five points. Um, <laughs> No, I, I don't think you see Mike Watkins back, but there is value in this and that, you know, probably just like any other year, if you go and win it, that says something. Maybe if you go to the championship, it says a little bit of something, but they've got to look to make that run bounce back I think they want to end their season on a high note I think they could absolutely win it um, but beyond that the most intriguing part would we'll probably be running into some of those old
1: especially probably I think Nebraska among them would be the most interesting match when you're thinking about the teams that you mentioned Indiana Maryland Nebraska which is the most intriguing basketball matchup and then you say Nebraska does that just make you feel <laughs> weird I mean that's just ugh, it's just crazy no it's true but you know this is 2018 there's a lot of stuff outside of Big Ten basketball that's going on that's been pretty weird that's true um, but you know, Maryland was funny the other because Jeff Ehrman who runs uh, Inside Maryland Sports, uh, he posted a picture of his kids and, and said, "I'm sorry about the season, guys, but I got kids. Don't don't cancel." I mean, that, that, that's what kind of year it was in College Park. because yeah. the I got kids year. Same
0: so. with Indiana too. But yeah. I, I think they sneak in there at the end. Now, outside of the NIT, which again is where Penn State is going to go. I'm sorry, if you have any lingering hope, you need to snuff that out right now for the NCAA tournament. Though the tournament should be a lot of fun. What does Tony Carr do next? Because I have heard and, and inquired about this and, and talked to some different people that there's a sense of the NBA will always be there, then there's the part of, you know, obviously he's performed his best on big stages, the Big Ten Tournament, namely earlier this season against Texas A&M and the Barclays Center, uh, as well as Pitt, and a couple of other games, just simply willing them to victory. If he comes back, obviously great for Penn State. This becomes an NCAA Tournament or bust thing for me. If he does not, I think that's probably as big of a setback as you could have, not because of a lack of confidence in who they've got coming off the bench, but I just don't think Jamari Wheeler, natural replacement, is, is able to step up. And then you're looking at a similar scenario to this year, maybe NCAA tournament, probably NIT, and I think the team's going to be much better, but that would be so much shooting you
1: would lose between him and Shep Garner all at once. Are you saying he shoots too much? (laughs) <laughs> no, uh, I think cargos. Um, that's just a, a gut feeling that I have. Yeah. Um, I think the 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 opportunity is going to be there. I mean, his stock very high right now. Um, shooting it at a, you know pretty pretty high percentage. Talking so end of first round, second round conversation. Yeah, and, and honestly, I mean, if he's end of first round, I mean, you got to go. I mean, you you don't you don't see that very much at Penn State. We don't talk about this very often, but you know, if you're a guard in that situation, I think you got to go. And I think you know he probably will. So, and, but that's an uninformed opinion on my behalf. So just kind of sitting back and watching. And in
0: so. fairness, the point about shooting, you know, I think that's, you got some studs coming into Miles Dredd and Razier Bolton who are going to fill in, presumably, at that two-yard spot. Who knows how the starting lineup shakes out, um, even if Carr comes back, but, you know, they they bring some legitimate offensive game, and I think certainly more than you saw from Jamari Wheeler, that shooting will be there. They've been having excellent senior campaigns, in particular Dredd, um, and the depth will grow, which has really been, you know, their Achilles heel this whole season, is when they have to go to that bench, you know, it's, it, particularly with their bigs, Julian Moore is also going to leave with that's going to be an issue but I think you can always handle one issue and work around it as opposed to juggling a couple of them which even with a more veteran laden deeper team would be a problem for them because Tony Carr has been their rock um, and when you lose that foundation along with your best shooter that's just a
1: lot to replace. Yeah absolutely and, and I like their guard play You know, a little bit better. I think it's Watkins and everybody else right now and they've gotten some, some decent minutes from some of their other bigs but just nobody's on that Watkins level so um, I, I, I like their guard play. I like Miles Dread a lot. I, you know, I've watched a little bit more of him than I probably would watch on a typical basketball game. I think he's he's a tough kid. You know, he can score. uh, He can do a lot of different things. So I like Miles Dredd I'm interested, uh, really interested to see him play at the next level.
0: All right, we have not talked recruiting. For the first time, I think, in pot
1: history. No right. recruiting segment. And, and it makes sense. There's not much. I mean, the no, there's there's coaches are on vacation right now. Uh, they haven't had very many visitors. I think we covered the last visitors in the podcast. They'll get back swinging um, you know, March 24th, Junior Day, and some other guys coming in. Uh, we put up a big board yesterday. Check it out. It was. It took a long time, and I'm really tired right now because of it. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I mean, there, there, there's not a ton going on, but that will ramp up in the next couple of weeks.
0: Okay. As a part of that ramping out, leading off with our mailbag first question do you foresee anyone committing before the blue white game
1: uh before blue white weekend i mean there's always a couple of commits at blue white at the blue white game itself um i think the biggest thing is the changing recruiting calendar adding those official visits in the spring has really slowed it up for a lot of people and it's not just penn state penn state's got two commits right now um you know ordinarily i think this time last year they had 11 which was a little bit higher than than you would expect but at the, yeah you know but uh you know without talking in circles here as i'm doing uh the 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 calendar has changed for some of these guys. Uh, You'll see these guys taking official visits, uh, Marquise uh, Wilson, Tyler Rudolph, guys from, you know, that, that that we have as Penn state leans or whatnot, we probably want to check out some other schools. So um, the, the, the blue white game being as it is early in that window where you can take officials. I I don't know that we see a ton of, uh, of action up until then. Um, But maybe at the most one or two guys before then, Um, I I just don't see it right now. I think the calendar is so shaken. So don't
0: see it as the bottom line.
1: No, I don't. See it as the okay. bottom line. Um, it, it, the calendar is, has sort of turned on its head, and uh, I think coaches are actually still trying to figure this one out. I mean, do, do you balance a guy? Do you bring him in in the spring, or do you try and hold him off if, if he's maybe a little bit more local guy to coming after the season or during the season or something like that? So uh, I think there's arguments each way, um, but as for right now, kids are really holding off more than, than they have in the past couple of years.
0: Well, let's keep it rolling. Right. More recruiting. How much does Penn State's
1: dominance at the combine rub off? At- as some recruiting help I'm not sure it's quantifiable but I mean you've already seen it if you've gotten on Twitter they're they're throwing Dwight Gall out there as as a front right now you know at the forefront of the program Uh, look at what he's been able to do not only here but at Maryland Uh, Oren Burks from from Vanderbilt had a really good combine as well as one of their recruits so um, you know it's going to help I don't think it's going to push anybody over the edge. I don't think it's going to be a deciding factor for many people, but say, hey, you know, we can, I, I think everything goes back to Ohio State. We can compete with Ohio mm-hmm. State with the number of guys we're sending to the combine, the number of guys we're sending to the draft. And, and on top of that, hey, we can develop Athletes, you know, not only the freak athletes like Saquon Barkley and Mike Gosicki, but we can develop guys like Troy Apke, like Grant Haley, you know, these other guys that have tested out well. So um, I think it's a it's a huge thing, um, you know, from a program standpoint. I think you are going to see a lot of that from James Franklin moving forward. I think you are going to see a lot of that pounded into kids' heads, and and that's going to be a, you know that's going to be another tape they put on on a junior day um, when they stop in the weight room and you see these guys jumping forty one inches or whatnot. Uh, I think that's absolutely huge. And, and, and it's another thing to bridge the gap between Ohio State and the rest of the Big Ten, which Penn State is probably as close as anybody is catch, to catching them. Two things I'm really glad you said. First of all, I think Dwight Galt might have been
0: trending on Twitter for a time during the combine. I think dating back to Monday, which was I don't hilarious. Know that Dwight
1: Gall has Twitter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. But whether he knew it or not, he was on there and being spread around. And you're absolutely right that they were out in full force. Coaches were on vacation. James was not, though. I mean, everything, every opportunity with a quote, tweet of a we are, you know, as they should to be able to sell this. Because because not many schools can say that.
1: You know, I was that medal count by the way a new thing this year with I, like I don't recall seeing that, but I've never followed it as intently given that Penn State had the right. showing that they did. So. That felt like the phoniest
0: medal I think I've ever seen. Like really? below like participation medal. <laughs> like it just doesn't exist. <laughs> Anyways, Um, Yeah, they were doing doing day drinking for that. (laughs) No, not not this week or year. Um, But no, the the bigger part is they they were capitalizing on all of that Penn State's account, different coaches' account, letting you know, listen, these are our guys. And secondly, the word develop that you used, I think, is the biggest one. Because we chatted with James last year in the Coach's Caravan, we being a small group of reporters and asking, like, listen, what what do you want to hang your hat on? Because at that time, again, last year, there was the whole talk about his extension and and the facilities and how much money they're going to pour into it. So if you're not going to have the best facilities facilities in the country what are you going to have and his answer was well we want to be known for our development this is the most quantifiable right. you know part of that development how fast do you run how much do you lift how quick are you and, and everything that goes into the combine so for them this underscores that development of course parents are going to want to know a little bit more about the education side which of course they can go oh we had you know x amount of kids players, three players will above. tell you that but, but yeah yeah learning. but it, it really comes down to this so you and when you have that kind of nfl brand attached to that and development is just the easiest thing to see I think it's it's as you said difficult to quantify on a whole, but absolutely helps in the interim. And and just kind of proves her point of we want to be about development. It's a little bit harder when you're talking about character and you're talking about education and just being a human being. It's easier when it comes down to forty times and they can go listen. Look at Troy Appy, Look at Mike Kosicki, Look at Saquon Barkley.
1: On top of that, the, the the networking that they've done is is very apparent in my eyes because you you see you know Mike Mayock talking yes. about Bruce Feldman talking about you know this is these are not original thoughts by these guys. I mean this is something that they've that has worked its way from you know Penn State to these guys so. So from that level, I mean, it's not something that, you know, the Paterno staff did much. It's not something that Bill O'Brien really wasted his time doing. But James Franklin will talk to a lot of people about his guys. He will sell them. And, you know, I think Bruce Feldman was the guy who was tweeting all weekend about Penn State. So, I mean, it... That, that to be fair, not really new. Not new, (laughs) but it will... You know it will brand your it'll continue your brand it'll get it out there and, and and you saw it spread from those typical guys that we talked about and beyond the Penn State beat and you and I all that kind of stuff to to these national guys and I think yeah. that was very impressive rich Eisen I mean was was probably as complimentary as anybody about Penn love. State he's a Michigan guy yeah. and you know yeah. he's you know they probably hurt him a little bit but uh, and
0: mayor's daughter did go to Penn State total disclosure here as he disclosed but uh, right. yeah no, a lot of love for Penn state and I think it's that's
1: it's a really excellent point yeah about I think it's, the networking it, it, that they've done in, in pushes. I think it—it's attacking from every angle, getting that brand out there is something that they've really done. And you don't see that, and it's kind of you know behind the scenes at some point. Um, but to, to get to the surface on a weekend like this, where you're showing them not only that Saquon Barkley is every bit the freak that you said he is, not only the same for Mike Kosicki but you know Troy Apke's out there, you know, uh, and, and Grant Haley and Christian Cant—you know—just having that many guys and being able to uh, market that many guys says something about the future of your program. Last question, more football related
0: prediction. We're talking about spring ball. Um, I brought up KJ Hamler. Is he in the mix for to win the? Either starting kick return job or punt returner job.
1: I think he's a punt return guy. Um, you know, and, and will he be though? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, he will be the punt returner w- guy. He'll be a punt returner, a punt returner guy, and the, and they'll put guys back, and you'll have Mark Allen back there, Mac Hicken, Hip and Hammer, maybe Zach McPherson. I think the most intriguing thing. Do you see John Reed back there? I mean, he was he was your spark plug back there. I probably wouldn't but you know I'm kind of on the conservative side there um, but you've got options you've got more options now than you had four years ago or whatnot uh, kick return Brandon Polk I think is your your obvious guy Journey Brown we talked about a little bit earlier Donovan Johnson um, you know they, they, they've got speed back there they've got guys back there that, that can uh, you know that, that have done that at different levels at, at mostly at the high school level so um, intrigued to see what they get out of that I don't know that you have to throw a starter back there I don't know that you have a Heisman campaign so you know you'd rather not see miles sanders back there or you know maybe you throw ricky slade back there when he gets on campus so um they've got plenty of options i think i don't think you can limit it to these eight or ten guys that we just mentioned
0: right they'll have competition throughout the spring throughout the summer uh, I'm going to go kick return as you said, Brandon Polk. I think DeAndre Tompkins will hold that punt returner job. I think he proved himself worthy. There were a couple instances yeah. where he had touchdowns called back, and or was one block away, I should say, in addition to being called back. I'm bringing another one, so I don't see a way he loses that job. I think you'd rather keep um, John Reed defensively, but sleeper pick for punt return. You ready? You. Me. Blue white game this year. I know you came up just short. You were going to participate in the old uh, catching of the punts from Blake Gillikin, which was for different reasons than just, you know, let's have some fun. But, anyway, that event, I bet, will be held this year, and you will wow them enough to win that job yourself. I appreciate that nomination. We I mean, just have to check out the knee first. I think I'm, it's a big deal. Uh, yeah, get it checked out today, actually, as we record. Tough to tackle, uh, good awareness, understanding. You've watched enough fair, tape on punt returners. Fair catch machine is what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to lose the ball. <laughs>
1: like, oh. as soon as it's kicked, that hand's going up. Yeah, definitely. Two, perhaps, so Two. with a white flag and yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Oh man! Anyway, yeah. So uh, we'll get to that that the spring game. Oh, yeah, hopefully, they do have the competition this year. I, like I, like you said, I got shut out last year. It was there was more interest than I expected.
0: Well, so. you were a little late.
1: To the I party. was. I'm, that's nothing.
0: I don't blame you. I was intentionally late to the party. There was no way in hell I was doing that. Which again was not for lack of confidence in my skills. Which of course you say that and people are like oh yeah yeah that's what you're saying. Right. I know why they did this. It wasn't about yeah let's just have them out in the field. Let's have out some of the fun. goodness goodness of our hearts. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah, basically. So. All right. Well, from Two Idiots signing off here in Lions 24-7 podcast. The most consistent Penn State podcast according to our latest iTunes review. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you're on iTunes and you feel like dropping us a couple stars, stars do matter. So we appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, keep keep listening. We'll see you uh, the next time we see you. I'm not exactly sure, speaking of the most consistent podcast, when we'll be recording <laughs> again. Uh, we but just it,
0: contradict it, ourselves in a matter of 12 seconds. It'll
1: be soon. It's spring break, man. It's spring break. So. I know. I told you i feeling old. <laughs>
0: But we sounded lively enough in this episode, I feel like. It's a good episode. episode. And to be honest, if I had to bet, um, I'd bet we're probably back next week. All right. Spring ball's upon us, man. Great.
1: Great. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll see you then for the NIT episode. (laughs) You're going to do that one on your own. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you.
0: I go hard Fuck in the pain. pa leave you stankin' yeah. what yeah. the what the